Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Lauren. Hello. Lachlan. Hello. And Justin. This week is all about heroes and villains in the animal kingdom, where we talk about animals that save other animals from dangers in their environment and lead the way. And also, other animals that hunt and catch creatures in innovative ways. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. This week's City of Science is the lovely and warm city of Perth in Western Australia. And the reason why we're talking about this is because some fascinating research has been done out of Western Australia, the University of Western Australia in Perth, on killer spiders. Please just stop listening now. You don't really want to hear this. This isn't a good fact. This won't make your life any better. I think I'm going to quit science. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Look, Australians are well known and recognised for producing a million dangerous and deadly creatures. But what this scientist from Western Australia, University of Western Australia, working in collaboration with universities from Basel in Switzerland, I don't know what deadly creatures Switzerland has, but aside from chocolate and banks... um, they have found that these there are some really deadly spiders that don't just live in Australia, but basically every continent except Antarctica. And we're not quite sure about that one yet. Um, and when I say deadly spiders, I'm not just talking about huntsmen or daddy long legs. I'm talking about spiders, a whole new category of spiders that hunt for their meals. Well, let's be a bit more specific about this. They go fishing. So, Lauren, you're on the land... You're not really sp- safe. Spiders could be anywhere. That is e- everywhere. Like, they are. Yeah, in Australia, they're actually everywhere. Like, you open a door and you see spiders having a tea party. That's pretty much what you expect. Yeah, yes. and this micro- microphone made of spiders. Exactly. <laughs> this entire house, spiders. So, where do you go to be safe from the spiders? <sighs> We're talking on the Earth, right? Yeah, no, you can't go to space. You can't go to space. There might be space spiders, too. We don't know that yet, either. Well, they're, they're called aliens, but yes. Yeah. Well, I think I go hide in the water, maybe? I mean, you can try and drown them. That's a really smart idea, but not if you're a fish. Because we've just discovered a species of fish-eating spider. Oh no, that's terrifying. How many things are they going to eat? How many things are they going to (laughs) steal? It's a really interesting question, but basically they've decided that whole... They've classified this whole species of spider that... It's present in a lot of different countries and variations that just chows down on fish. They, they go fishing, and they pick it up, and then they just chomp on it. Okay, so when we're usually talking about spiders, you know, you're thinking of a spider web that catches, like, flies or things that get stuck in it, small mm. things. Have they made a web for fish? <laughs> like a fishing net? <laughs> yeah, like a fishing net. They made fishing nets out of their own webs. Is that how they're catching their prey? <laughs> not quite. How they actually get the fish is not is depends on the different species, the different genus, or type of spider that they're actually found. Because it's not just one family of spiders; it's several different families of spiders that eat fish. Some they theorize they just hang in the spiders themselves hang out in water, and then uh, they might feel a fish swim past them, and they just pounce on it because the like the, the contact with the fish triggers them to attack. But they're also looking at other ones that may have involved some actual webs. The interesting thing about the spiders that live underwater is they actually have to drag their prey to a dry spot in order to, for their enzymes and venom to work. So they need to actually find... They haven't evolved yet. They need to find a dry spot before their poison will take effect. Okay, so these spiders live underwater. Have they developed gills? Do they actually live underwater like the fish that they now hunt? 
Well, no, these these spiders um they there's basically the sort of aquatic ones, but yeah, that that's probably how some of these work. They might be a bit amphibious, like other types of insect creatures or uh, water creatures. They may not necessarily need a lot of oxygen to survive. So, and they're not just going after small fish. This is the most fascinating part about it. It's not like they're just hunting on kelp or krill or things like that. Kelp being a plant, not a fish. Um, these are actually going after things up to you know twenty centimeters in size. Which is, which is crazy when you think about it, like a spider eating a fish that's 20 centimetres long. It caught a fish that was this big, and yes, I am doing the hand gestures, even though this is an audio format. Uh, so, well, I'm not really that afraid of spiders. I like knowing where spiders are, and then having that fact, and then being able to say, yes, that spider is still in the place I expect it to be, and everything is okay. Yeah, but now we have less safe spaces, like... There was the spaces where spider, places where spiders can be and places where spiders can't. And that area is getting smaller and smaller each year. Yes, but I'm not a fish and I'm bigger than 20 centimetres, so I am okay. I'm still going to be scared going back into the shower or having a bath. <laughs> well, that's right. And the thing to remember here is that um, spiders actually serve a really important part of the food chain. Much like sharks, which are things that people can be scared and terrified of, if you remove them from the ecosystem, it actually does a lot of damage to us Basically, and the whole collapses. planet. Yeah, because spiders control the population of bugs, and you want to have some types of spiders in your house. The, the daddy long legs that you see is perfectly harmless to humans, but they do a lot of jobs catching really small bugs that just fly around. Huntsmen, even, even though they're really big and scary looking, they're actually perfectly harmless to humanity because what they do is they eat other spiders and large bugs. They do good. They're hunters. That's what they do. And then you get bigger huntsmen to eat the huntsmen that were smaller than them. Well, I think birds eat the huntsmen. Oh, good. That's right. And then we eat the birds. Ah. Chickens eat huntsmen. Why do I keep more chickens around my house? Well, not chickens specifically, but birds in general eat spiders. That's how it works. And then a cat eats the bird. The Dog eats the cat. Then what comes after the dog? <laughs> then we eat the dog? No, 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 no. What, the old lady who swallowed a fly. No, it's not the little old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. I think she'll die. It's it, it's a it's a um, nursery rhyme. I remember that one. Which is sort of about the whole... It sort of explains the whole ecosystem in another way of thinking about it. So spiders serve an important part of our planet's ecosystem. And we're just finding out that they are also now involved in not just regulating the populations of bugs and other small creatures, but also fish. So, good on them for figuring out that fish is tasty if you're an arachnid. Who's the most mutualistic ecological connection of them all? Uh, spiders that eat fish. <laughs> no, that's an unholy connection. That's not one we like to do. No, okay, so I'm talking about you know, the story of Snow White and um, the story of the poison apple. So in Africa, the Solanum campylocanthum is a poisonous flower um, that sort of strangles um, a lot of um, native flora. So basically it is a weed that completely kills um, a lot of the, the, the vegetables and shrubs and stuff that a lot of African animals need to live. 
Right, so this, this weed actually, this flower actually is really kind of invasive and also deadly. I have a solution. What? Eat it. It's poisonous. It, it's poisonous? Yes, yeah, so not only does it kill um, all these important plants, but any livestock you're growing on that land will also die. And the apple, uh, it looks like an apple, it's shiny and it's yellow, and cows just think it looks like the most delicious thing in the world. They take a bite and they drop dead. Wow. Wow, that's that's actually terrible. And this 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 um, Solanum capitolicanthum is actually a relative of the eggplant. It's in sort of the same family, which just goes to show you shouldn't trust eggplants or aubergines and if you are of that persuasion. It just gets the award for basically the worst plant ever. Okay, so we're talking about this horrible poison apple that Snow White should definitely not eat, aka Snow White the cow should definitely not eat. Why are we talking about this? Just to say how horrible it is? Well, what they've actually found is they were doing some studies on the growth of this plant um, and also into how elephants um, and the wild elephants interact with domesticated wildlife. Because a lot of theory goes into saying that wildlife and domestic animals or, or agriculture, they compete directly and they can't help each other out at all. So you're always helping one at the expense of the other. Right, so it's a zero-sum game. Exactly. What they've actually found um, is that the elephants can help out the agricultural animals. There's one of these situations where actually they can help each other out because elephants can eat these poisonous apples. But they've actually dissolved to digest them no problem. Right, because they're a native species and obviously this apple is a native flower whereas the cows may not be as native or as adapted to the natural environment. That's right. Also the cows eat grass while um, elephants eat a lot of shrubs and bark and there's more toxins Bark. and more complicated stuff in, in yeah, the wood yeah, of plants than there are in just grass. Grass is mostly water and tubes. And, st- and cows have a really particular stomach digestive system that to process grass because it's, it's basically not something that's easy to eat. So they've specifically developed a stomach that can do that. And if you give it something else, it goes, ah, this is hard. <laughs> and they fall over whereas, and die. Whereas elephants are like, oh, whatever, man, I'm just going to eat. Whatever, tree, grass, rock. Oh, <laughs> they don't eat rocks, Justin. Sorry, but yeah, people, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what they found is that the elephants, one of the elephants' favorite foods, are actually this toxic plant. So by eating them, they can then introduce this sort of um, cohabitation between the wildlife and the agricultural animals, where farmers can now have a reason to allow elephants to stay on their land. Um, and so they can encourage um, sort of a mutualistic arrangement between them. So you're telling me if I now go to visit a farm, I can go and see a super cool metal elephant there too? I, I say metals in hardcore as in they're eating poisonous apples. Well, now. yes. Yes. In Africa, though, it's Africa. still a little bit hard to... We don't have a lot of wild elephants here in Australia. Uh... Oh, yes. And our elephants that we do have are in zoos. This research was done at a Princeton University, and it's looking at specifically... Um, specifically in apples found in the African savannah. Um, so it builds on some work earlier done in 2011 that um, was published in the Kenyan Veterinary Journal. So they're actually looking at um, it's work that's done in researchers in America, but also with local researchers and universities in, in institutions in Africa as well. But there was controversy in this study. Okay. So, fruit are designed to be appetizing to look at yes because they want evolutionarily they want animals to eat them so they can then defecate out the seeds and spread them right so the reason why we have apples and and other kinds of fruits and strawberries is to actually 
encourage them to be picked up, taken by animals, and then spread to pollinate. Yes, and be activated, in effect. Like, they, they need to have that to have maximum activation. They need to be eaten. Exactly, which is why they're so appetizing. So then some people were, at, like, sort of challenging the model, saying, well, is it good if the elephants are eating these fruit then? Sure, it means that the, the plant isn't killing the cattle, but in the long run, are they actually causing the spread of this plant and actually encouraging the spread of it? Yeah, that's right. It actually gets into the interesting challenge. However, it probably is also worth noting that these have been around for quite some period of time. They're not unusual. They are a part of nature. It's not an introduced species. Um, I think I actually saw something before when looking at the study. What they found was this plant doesn't just like grow over other plants, but actually it spreads the most in areas that have already had most of the other plant foliage taken away so in areas for example where you do have farms where you do have cattle grazing and taking away a lot of the other competitive plants so maybe it's less the elephants would be spreading it and more our effect of letting this plant take over yeah that's right and it sort of shows what happens when we put out and we take the balance away from a natural circumstance and the ecosystem adapts to that new circumstance it's operating in and the good news is, in this ex- specific example, um, because the elephants, when they eat, they actually um, crush up most of the plant and destroy it, um, it prevents it producing any more seeds in the future. So that's actually... Um, it's, the positive effect is that it does eventually kill the plant if you're allowed to keep going. On the other hand, the most adorable but dastardly animals in the African... I don't, I don't know if an elephant is adorable. They're have majestic. You, have you no, seen them? I'm not talking about elephants. I'm talking about impalas. Oh, impalas. Yes. <laughs> but they're tame. They're and producing music. <laughs> no, they're not all tame impalas, Justin. I can um, make young people pop culture references. <laughs> you can. You did it very well. And by pointing it out, you've done extra well. Yes, yes. Um, and these are like little deer-like creatures. And these guys can't rip up the trees. They can only eat the fruit. And so what they found is they actually are ideal to spread the seeds. And so... The elephants are wiping out the weed, while the impalas are actually encouraging the weed. So now there's this competition. A fight between, between well. the impalas and the elephants over some poison apples. I'm sure this has got like a movie that's just waiting to be made about it. Yeah, with Lauren's metal elephants. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. So we've tamed this topic, and we'll impale ourselves onto another one in the areas of adaptive biology. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week is all about heroes and villains in the animal kingdom, where we talk about animals that save other animals from dangers in their environment and leave the way, and also other animals that hunt and catch creatures in innovative ways. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.